This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. I think all of you, even my international listeners, know the name of Bono. Now, maybe what you don't know about the lead singer of the internationally famous band U2 is that Bono started the One Campaign. In fact, some of you may remember the initial slogan for the One Campaign, which is this, Make Poverty History. Well, the One Campaign is a global organization that tackles the causes of extreme poverty and preventable disease with a focus on Africa. This organization also fights for gender equality, youth employment, quality education, and access to health services. Well, my guest today is the CEO of the One Campaign, Gail Smith. Gail's career includes working on the ground with nonprofits across Africa in leadership positions under the Clinton and Obama administrations, as an international journalist, and in the U.S. Agency for International Development and other organizations to end extreme poverty. I think you'll really be impressed with Gail's insights and all she is doing to lead this global organization. And speaking of global, it's been really fun to see my audience grow to more countries internationally. So if you're listening to this show outside the U.S., please let me know. I would love to hear from you. And perhaps you have a guest that you would like to have on this show from your country. Let me know. You can email me or just go to my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. Now on to the show. Well, Gail, it's a true honor to have you on the show today. Now, you serve as a CEO of the One Campaign. I think most of my listeners know the One Campaign from its founder, Bono. And I think a lot of my listeners will remember that campaign motto, Make Poverty History, which I love the simplicity and the portability of that motto. Now your mission statement is this. One is a global movement campaigning to end extreme poverty and preventable disease by 2030 so that everyone everywhere can lead a life of dignity an opportunity. And I love that. Very noble, very courageous. So maybe you could start off today by just giving us a quick overview of the One Campaign and your accomplishment so far towards that wonderful mission. And thanks. Look, the One Campaign came out of a vision that Bono, who's a, a quite the activist in addition to being a rock star, but is also a very smart guy, came to, which is a really fundamental, simple thing. The premise that where you live shouldn't determine whether you live, and that everybody deserves an equal shot. And having seen what poverty looks like and what extreme poverty looks like, you know, I think the conclusion of one and what's driven us since its founding is that's something we can end. Like nobody should have to live in those circumstances. So how do we end it? And the preventable diseases sign came up because in its early years, one did a lot of work and still does on HIV and AIDS as that was ravaging the planet and, you know, at a time when people didn't even want to say the words out loud. One was out there and then Bono with Bobby Shriver created the organization Red, which, which is a part of one, which is all about getting products to turn red and then the money goes to the fight against AIDS. And this notion of making poverty history 
it was a slogan for a particular campaign, it's still absolutely relevant. It's the, the easiest and best way to capture what we're about. What's different, I think, and what a lot of people don't understand, some people refer to us as the one foundation. We're not a grant-making organization. Our view, we are an advocacy organization, is that it's our job to mobilize citizens and mobilize governments to do the right thing to get this done. I like that. Well, that's really helpful to know. And, and you've been particularly impactful raising funds, speaking of that, to fight historic health initiatives such as the Global Fund to Fight AIDS. You mentioned that, TB, malaria, the Vaccine Alliance recently. Now, I've understand that you've secured $37.5 billion in funding. So my listeners, you know, let me say it again, $37.5 billion in funding you've secured over the last, you know, since the beginning of one campaign. It's super impressive. Talk about how you've been so successful in raising this much in funding. Yeah. So, so here's the model and the methodology, and it's really a smart one. It's one of the reasons I've done one for a long time. I was served in government. One, you know, was working with me, trying to get me as a government official to do things. So it's a combination of an inside game and an outside game. What does that mean? On the inside, there are decision makers arrayed across governments that make these decisions. How much are we going to invest in the fight against HIV and AIDS? Are we going to increase our funding for agricultural development worldwide? Are we going to do more to get girls in school? The inside game is engaging and working with those decision makers, both in the executive branch, but also in Congress, to make the case to them that you really need to do this. And interestingly, when, when we find somebody who's willing to work with them and help make it possible, right? Because sometimes you got people inside a government want to do the right thing. The whole apparatus isn't there. How do you help move the ball forward? That's the inside game. The outside game is mobilizing the public. There's a lot of evidence to show that in this country, the American people care about these issues. You know, we know this from if you look at the number of people who make donations when there's a humanitarian emergency, an earthquake, or the number of people who give at their church or religious institution. It's a, it's a thing, right? So, so American people are generally for it, but they've got to be organized and we want them to be able to take matters into their own hands. So in other words, if you are in Kentucky or Idaho, and we've got volunteers all over the country, we want them to be the ones engaging with their congressional representatives engaging with students at their university, engaging with people in their community to get that voice coming back to Washington where the decisions are made. And that's the outside game. Now, the last thing I'll say about the outside, one does something a lot of organizations don't. We do a lot of public campaigns with music, pop culture in ways that are, I think, very creative, sometimes a bit cheeky. And so that's kind of capture the imagination, the, the mobilized citizens and shoot for the inside game. That's how we try to get it done. I love that. And uh, let's dive into it a little bit because I've had people on the show before talk about advocacy and uh, they've not quite described it that like the inside versus the outside game. And I like that, that you're mentioning both. 
Perhaps you could, for my listeners, talk about what's been so effective with that approach, maybe even a couple of examples, because I think a lot of nonprofits, particularly if they're maybe medium to smaller, they don't feel like they have the budget. Maybe they don't have the connections. They don't have the time to know how best to advocate for the people they're trying to serve. And yet that's, I think, one of the hallmarks of one campaign has been your advocacy, like you mentioned. So maybe you could talk about that. What would be the recommendation for nonprofits that are still new in that space? How would they go about doing both the outside and the inside game with maybe limited resources? Um, it's a really, really good question. I think there are a couple things to think about. One is your message. And on the message, you want somebody that is going to, something that's going to capture the imagination of the public, the media, or the person you're trying to persuade. Sometimes that message is one that is make poverty history, right? That's simple and clear. Sometimes it's a message that gets you kind of at your soul or your heart. Sometimes it's a message that's a little bit, not snarky, don't ever get nasty, but is a little in your face. We did something on girls' education where we had a line that poverty is sexist. And, and it kind of, people were kind of like, wait, what, huh? It, like, it caused people to pause. Uh, a little bit. We're doing a lot of work on the pandemic now. And we've done things where we say, you think the pandemic's over? No, not yet. And then show some of the stats. But you got to be short, tight, and, and just think about what would capture your imagination? What would make you stop if you saw a poster or a billboard? What would make you stop and think? So the message is really key. I think the second thing is that, you know, I, I, I think we sometimes feel like it's an uphill battle. Congress spends all of its time screaming at each other. They're not going to listen to us. It's actually not true. And, and what I've observed is that, so we have these volunteers all over the country, right? And just recently, we did something we do every year where the volunteers come into D.C. and have meetings on Capitol Hill. Now, we've had to do this virtually the last couple of years. But on a single day, there were over 200 meetings that they had with members of Congress or their staff. And, and but here's the thing. Sometimes it was members of Congress. Sometimes it was their staff. Their staff are really important. Members of Congress listen to their staff. So if you don't get a meeting with a congressperson, don't be despondent. If you've got a couple of their senior staff people, you're just fine. And... It turns out that members of Congress both want to serve their constituents and, frankly, they also want to be reelected. And particularly when they see volunteers, people from their constituencies that are like, hey, I really think the United States should be out there in the forefront of the fight against AIDS. It's like, oh, oh, and you're from my district. Okay. That's one. Show them that there is support in your community. And the last thing on dealing with members that you can do that's not expensive. If they do the right thing, give them some credit, right? They like credit. One of the things members of Congress have said to me in the past, we do all these things. One of the reasons that many of them have said they like one is that if we do what you want us to do, you give us a shout out. And, and sometimes we don't remember. It's, you know, it's kind of human behavior. But so a word of thanks. Last thing I think that can be done that isn't majorly costly well, there are a couple things. One is there's a lot that can be done on local media, podcasts. Now that we've got social media, 
what used to be a really big challenge and really expensive for nonprofits is now more accessible. So you can use that. But it's strange bedfellows. By that, I mean, if you've got a coalition of people, a group of people, it could be 10, 20, 50, it could be 100 or 500, but they're different ages, different backgrounds. Some may come from the faith community. Some may be activists. Some may be academics. Some work in this field. Some work in that field. That gets people's attention as well. It really does. It's very striking to people. So I think those are some of the things that can be done. It's step at a time. And we also had the advantage in the early years in particular of having a really famous rock star out front. And, you know, that doesn't happen every day. It certainly helps. Definitely. That, that's a great advantage for sure. Well, let's keep talking about this because one of the most impressive things, again, you've done recently, you continue to do is you deal with some really, really, I would say, for lack of a better term, big movers and shakers when it comes to the oil, gas and mining sectors, both in the US, Canada and the EU. You've done a lot of things recently, and I encourage my listeners to check out your website to find out more because you've got some great narratives about this, but you've really helped put pressure on these three countries in particular to provide greater transparency, specifically, again, in the oil, gas, and mining sectors in order to fight corruption on the one hand, but also ensure that, yeah, more money from oil and gas revenues in Africa is used to fight poverty specifically. So talk about this. Number one, how did you get the legislation passed? And I can only imagine there's a lot of logistics. There's a lot of backroom conversations because there's so much power and money involved with these sectors of oil, gas, and mining. That's going to be a difficult task. So talk about that. I think that would be really interesting for my listeners to find out how you've been so successful with that specific area. Sure. And, and here's why this is so important is that a lot of money that should remain in Africa is siphoned out. And a lot of it is it's whether payments are not made in country, books are cooked a little bit, but it's very hard to stop that if you can't see what's happening. So the transparency just means, you know, all these companies always say, oh, we do the right thing. We're not breaking any laws. We're totally... Well, if that's the case, then open it up, put it out there. And if everybody can see it, A, you'll get credit if you're doing the right thing. And B, if you're not, then we can solve another problem. The work on this, now this was a really, really hard issue because it's really complex legislation. It gets into law, economics, statutes, business rules. It's really, really complicated. It's very contentious. A lot of companies don't like it in general when the Hill legislates on anything pertaining to how they should operate. So it took a lot of really smart people on our team. I will not claim to be the expert on this by any means, but some people on our team who really, really understand these issues, working in coalition with a host of other groups on a very, very painstaking process to get legislation on what seems obscure. I mean, if you read the legislation, you'd say like, what in the world does that possibly mean? But what it translates into is greater transparency in this space so that funding that should remain in Africa can be preserved. And again, if nobody's doing anything wrong, then they can get the credit. The key thing I think on something like this for nonprofits and those of us who are working as advocates is really doing the homework to show the expertise. Because if you're trying to persuade a member of Congress to vote for this bill or a government official, if you really know your stuff, if you know it's right, but you don't have the details, bring along the person who can get in the weeds. Because that 
that gives people confidence that what you're suggesting I do, oh, you actually really do know what you're talking about. So it, it really took a lot of expertise on that one. And then campaigning that was, you know, on something like corruption, you can goose people a little bit. Like, surely you don't believe in stealing money. Um, so, but it's the expertise that made the, made the difference on that one. Very, no, very helpful. Uh, I like um, your insights on that. Now, another thing you've done, and you mentioned it earlier, that with Bono obviously helping to start this, Bobby Shriver as well, you already had great connections as an organization, but you continue to do that. You collaborate, you network with artists, activists, faith and business leaders, students, scientists. You organize, mobilize, and educate and advocate so that your impact really can be that much bigger, right? And networking and collaboration is so important for nonprofits. Again, whether you're a large nonprofit or a small nonprofit, so maybe you can talk about that a little bit. What's your approach? What's your philosophy when it comes to networking and collaboration? Because you've done quite a bit of that. Again, you've been successful in that. So maybe you could talk a bit about networking and collaboration. Sure. Well, I think sometimes collaboration is hard because nonprofits are all looking for funding. It's not an overfunded sector, <laughs> right? We know Very that. Very true. Very true. <laughs> and, and so you want to protect your brand. So doing things in collaboration, sometimes I, there's a tendency to say, oh, well, we won't have visibility. The fact of the matter is collaboration is, is what they call in the military. It's a force multiplier. It gives you scale and heft and more voices in the room. You can cover more terrain. It's not something that it's necessary to do on every single campaign or issue you work on, but it makes a huge difference. And we do it, I think, in a number of ways. There's always a lot of consultation between us and our partners, groups that are involved in roughly the same areas. And that's just good practice, comparing notes. What are you hearing? Right. You guys work on Senator X, we'll work on Senator Y, because we're trying to achieve similar objectives. I think joining forces on a big campaign, look, it sends a signal to the to the people we want to make the right decisions, that there really is a force out there. These are groups that, wow, they've got members in 50 states and, oh, they've got the faith community and they've got student groups and they've got this and they've got that. Sends a powerful message. And again, it just gives you scale. And it's better than, than trying to compete for the same space. You know, we always got to keep focused on the mission. I think on the, you know, you also mentioned that we do a lot with celebrities and pop culture. And that's a different thing. Bono does a lot, but we work with a lot of artists and entertainers from all over the world. And what we found there is that they want to engage. They want to engage increasingly. They want to engage in ways where they're sure they're being smart and they've got all the facts because they don't want to get blown up on Twitter or somewhere else. But we also keep them informed when we're not doing things together. And that's another piece of it is, you know, it's not just a transaction. Will you do a, a PSA for us? It's, we'd really like to work with you. We'll keep you informed of what we're doing. And we've been very, very fortunate on that. We've done a couple of big campaigns in the last year with artists and entertainers that have been hugely successful. And that's been really helpful. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Arts Midwest. They have launched a new podcast called Filling the Well. This podcast has been created to nourish, provoke, and inspire. Hear from creative changemakers as they share their takes on how to shift power, avoid burnout, 
build community, share resources, and advocate for support. Just visit artsmidwest.org slash filling the well. Again, that's artsmidwest.org slash filling the well. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I want to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. And finally, if you want to get my monthly email update that contains more resources in addition to these episodes, it's really easy. Just go to my website at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org and simply type your email address in the top right-hand box and you'll be added to our monthly email update. And this way you'll never miss any of the interviews or extra content from this show. And if you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email me. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Well, I'm glad you mentioned your campaigns because I'll just highlight three of them real quickly for my listeners. Again, you've done Pass the Mic, which is calling for a global response to the COVID-19 pandemic, protects the most vulnerable and supports people really hit the worst economically. Pandemica, I thought this was really interesting. Again, for my listeners to check this out, it's, a, yeah, an animated series that explores the critical importance of getting vaccines to everybody, all countries, as quickly as possible. So that's an interesting one. And then Stand Together, you mentioned you have a lot of artists that you connect with. This one, I understand, the one campaign and 10 major African artists. Also, you partnered with the Nelson Mandela Foundation and MTV Base. You've all come together to release a music track calling for the world to really join in solidarity to fight COVID-19. So impressive. I mean, all those are really, really impressive. Talk about how you've gone about this and how did you select those campaigns specifically? Part of this is how do you use pop culture? People listen to music. People watch Netflix, particularly during pandemics. You watch a lot of that. People follow other people. So on Pass the Mic, our idea was that we needed to get this message out about the pandemic and that this was global and therefore we needed a global response. We needed some megaphones. And so what we did on that was we approached a number of artists we've worked with and some we hadn't and asked if they would join something where we would pair them with an expert. We had Dr. Fauci. We had frontline health workers in Africa working on COVID. We had all sorts of people who are really smart, but don't necessarily have the reach. And then we asked these entertainers, would you turn over your social media to this person for a day? Which is, that's the past the mic. So it started with Julia Roberts and Tony Fauci. And this, Tony is by now known all over the world. This was early days. So it was just a short interview at the beginning, but then it was people with huge number of followers saying to an expert, you've got information we need, take my social media and run with it. That worked really well. Pandemica, Pandemic was really fun. It was, and, and you know, we've got a lot of people who are really good on pop culture and we've got staff people whose job it is to be our sort of pop culture creative people. And on that, we figured we needed another form of communication. People don't always want a report or a seminar. And how can you do short sound bites? And again, we got great animators to do this thing called Pandemica. It's a world where the pandemic never ends. And that took off. 
Because again, part of what you're trying to do is reach people you might not otherwise reach, right? Because if you're just reaching people who already agree with you, that's great. And you feel like you got a lot of solidarity, but the trick, we've all got to reach whatever our mission is. More people in Pandemica help that. The musical collaboration was beautiful and it moves my heart. And that was an initiative taken by our Africa team. Uh, one is a global organization and our Africa team organized that with some really top spectacular African musicians. And it is about standing together in the face of COVID. And we got it released. We got it released on various musical platforms. It's still out there. And again, we've often found that in times of crisis, people want to do things. And if you can come to them and say, here's something that's smart, it's safe, right? It's not like going to get you in trouble or embarrassed and you can make a difference. They kind of sign up. But again, you got to put effort into it, but it's served us really, really well. Well, it's so fun to look at each one of those campaigns on your website. And you're right, you've been very intentional and you've tried to be as creative as possible. And that leads to my next question. You know, when it comes to organizations, nonprofits specifically, you want to have alignment between your purpose, right? And then your culture, and then your culture can grow over time. And you have a large organization and you have a global organization. So you've got different cultures and different people from, you know, around the globe trying to work together on this common purpose. How have you been able to keep that overall purpose and mission focused for everybody while at the same time building that culture and making sure everyone's on the same page? Yeah, it's, it's, that's really a good question and it's really important. And I think it's especially important given that our focus is on Africa. And one of the things that I set as a priority when I started as the CEO was to do more of one in Africa and have more of Africa in one. In other words, Africa's future should be in Africa's hands. And so how can we amplify that? How can we propel that? How can we support that? So how do we build out our team in Africa to do that? And we've, we've done a lot of work internally on what our values are. And I think that's really, it's really, really important. And I think sometimes it's easy to assume for those of us in the nonprofit arena that by dint of the fact that we're working in a nonprofit space, right? We are working on something not because we're going to make massive amounts of money, but because we want to make our communities better or our countries better, our world better. That therefore we're all sort of aligned on values. Yeah, we are, but you got to be really deliberate about that. Like we've got a value that we are one team. We take our, we take our mission seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. In other words, you know, it's very easy sometimes to fall into the trap where, oh, this is about me. And it, it's not really about me or us. We've got values that pertain to being fierce but fair, right? We want to be strong in our advocacy, but always fair. So fight the good fight, but, but don't do the cheap shots. And I think having those values, even in, a, in our regular staff meetings, in each meeting, there's one value that we elevate. You know, somebody comments on. We remind each other. It's it's actually, I will say, worked far better than I ever could have dreamed that we've all got to really stick to these values. So I think that's number one. And then I think the other thing is, and I think we're doing a pretty good job on this, we can always do better, is realizing that you're never too old to learn. So having teams all over the world, it's very helpful to me to listen to how things are rolling in Germany. It's different than the U.S. 
it's the same listening to our Africa team and their perspective on an issue versus the perspective in the U.S. Those things are really key. Don't just assume you have the values, name them and embrace them. Well said. Yeah. Name them and embrace them. And uh, yeah. And I like, like, for example, that value of fierce, but fair. I really like that. That'll resonate with me. Well, now you do a lot, obviously, across the world and you're focused on Africa, of course. And, and when it comes to eradicating poverty, what have you found are the biggest barriers still need to be overcome with all that you're facing? I think something that's been a big challenge and grown to be a bigger challenge in the last few years is I think sometimes helping people understand that what happens in the rest of the world matters to us, right? Sometimes I think it's easy for people to think that's far away and that's over there and it doesn't really impact me. The pandemic makes pretty clear that, oops, actually, if there's a virus somewhere else that could have an impact on me. But we still, I think, got to get to the point where we've all got a deeper understanding of the kind of interconnectedness that exists. I think some of the obstacles, look, the, the pandemic has been a huge obstacle. It's the first time in 25 years that we've seen an increase in extreme poverty. And that's hard. And, and what's underneath that, that is, I think, perhaps the most challenging, is we don't yet have a world that's really equitable. You know, it's great that we've got vaccination levels in this country that are above 70%. In low-income countries, they're on it's 11%. It's 11%. And that's like, that doesn't work, right? That's, that's neither right nor smart. I, I, I think you can get through to people when you say, think about it. That's not smart. The virus can replicate, replicate, it'll come back, it's going to get you. But it's also not right. Look, I, I, I was lucky to have been born where I was born in the circumstances in which I was born. But that's all it was. It was luck. And, and it should require more than luck to be able to, you know, live in dignity and feed your family and do all of those things. So I think we've still got a ways to go on that. You know, in, in direct terms, in terms of development, how you end poverty, there's all sorts of obstacles. There's, are there enough resources? Corruption, governance are issues. That said, it's doable. It is not an impossible task. I like that optimism. It's doable. Love that. What keeps you going, you know? Well, okay. Well, I've got to ask you another question about Bono. I think my listeners want to know, so how involved is Bono? Like, I know obviously he was the starter and he, you know, you'll see him on different campaigns pop in and pop out. Is he involved with the day in, day out? Is he more just uh, as that kind of spokesperson uh, for one campaign? What would you say about that? He's, I mean, he's quite engaged. He's not involved in the day-to-day. Like, he doesn't, you know, run the organization. He's figured that. He's a given that to is, you. Mm-hmm. He and his mates run a band. Uh, yeah, that's right about it. <laughs> that's very good. He's but he's involved in all sorts of ways. He's a very active member of the board. When U2 is on tour, we have the good fortune of inviting a lot of people to concerts and shows and making connections that way. And he's very gracious with his time with them. He does quite a lot behind the scenes. Sometimes it's been public, sometimes it's less public, where given the many years he's worked on these issues, he knows a lot of people, he's got a big reputation. So he talks to ministers, to heads of state to try to move agendas and balls forward. Before the pandemic, and I hope this is about to change again since things are better, he will come to Washington from time to time, do meetings on the Hill, do meetings with the administration, done the same in Europe. Uh, We were in Africa before the pandemic. So he is, he's very involved. 
but he is also very trusting and empowering of the organization. I think he thinks we know what we're doing. So it's a great, it's a great partnership. And having known him for, I don't know, 25, 30, a long time, he's, he's a pleasure to work with. He's a really good rock star and songwriter and performer, but he's also a really, really smart advocate. Uh, that's great to know. And I, all those Bono fans out there, YouTube fans, it's good to know uh, that he's still very, very much involved. And yet at the same time, obviously, he's empowered you to, to lead the day in and day out. Well, for people that are listening to this and want to find out more about you, find more about the uh, One Campaign, where would you send them online? I would go to one.org and check us out. Join us. And the one thing I would say to all of you, we are not asking for your money. We will not ask for your money. We're asking for your voices. Because if you, like we, care about these issues, if we put our voices together, play that inside game and that outside game, we can get remarkable things done. Well, well said. Well, Gail, thank you for your time. Really appreciate you sharing your insights with us and for my audience. No, thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.